So I want to get right to it. Philippians chapter 3. Remember, Paul is writing and he's talking to the Philippian church about their attitudes, about unity itself. He, he's really, he's talked to them about how things are different. And really, that's what we're going to look at tonight. I mean, it couldn't fit so well with what I talked about this morning. Now, I would love to take credit for all this stuff. You know that I planned that well, but I can tell you that this was not planned out in this way. I think God just kind of put this together as I began reading this passage just to remind us that we are different, that when we come into the life of Jesus Christ, things are different. Amen? Aren't you proud that God does something that just changes our lives? He transforms us, and that transforms Transformation is continuous as we saw this morning. I want you to see though this attitude of transformation that, that Paul had in his life and I think the attitude of transformation that should take part in our lives as well. Look in verse 8. Paul had been talking about all the different things he could brag about. He had talked about his resume. He put it out there. He said, look, this is who I am. And if you want to compare resumes if you want to talk about pedigree, if you want to talk about accomplishments, I'm right there with you. I can put my certificates on the wall and I can impress anybody. But he said, that's not what the kingdom's about. That, that's not what the believer is about. It's not about boasting in the flesh anymore. It is about boasting in Christ. Things are different. Verse 8, he says, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. What a passage. How Paul talks about things that are different now in his life. As I read this passage, there are two things that come across to me, two principles, really two things that, he, that Paul is saying. One, I have a different perspective. I have a different purpose. I have a different perspective and I have a different purpose. When God comes into my life and when he invades me, in other words, he is giving me a different way of looking at things. He gives me a different perspective about life. And he also gives me a different purpose. Notice again verse 8. Notice how he re-images these things of the past. And he speaks to the things of the present and even the future. How somehow Paul, 
his perspective on the past and the present had changed. As I mentioned, he had all kinds of accomplishments. I mean, he had done so many good things. Or in the world's eyes, in the Jewish world's eyes, he had done great things. He was zealous for the law. He was an eighth-day guy. He was one of these individuals that you would look up to as just a good person. But Paul said that after coming into this work of Christ, those things had become nothing but rubbish. That, that's strong language. I mean, literally, he says, all that stuff of the past, all of that stuff is garbage compared to knowing Christ. This is what he said. He said, I have traded the past for a person. Think about that a moment. Paul said, I have traded the past for a person. In other words, all that stuff I've done before, all that's been re-imaged in my mind now. I, I have thought about that. And, and really, now it is about a person, Jesus Christ. And instead of boasting over what I have done, I am now going to boast over what he has done. I've exchanged the past and all the accomplishments for the person of Christ. Notice what he says. He says that I may know him in verse 10. Verse 9, he had said, It is not through my own efforts or through my own righteousness through the law, but it is through the righteousness of Christ. God has worked in my life, and now I am able to know him. What does he mean by that? He means that he has traded all these fleshy kind of resumes, all the accomplishments that he had had. He said, I've just kind of put those in the past because now I recognize that I can grow in a relationship with a person, with a person of Christ. He's been saved. We know that. Paul has experienced salvation in, in his heart, but he knows that this relationship can grow and grow and grow. Look, I, I love the aspect of relationships. I, I really think that's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us, that we can have a relationship with other people. I mean, aren't you thankful that God puts people in your life that you can have a relationship with? I mean, whether it be in your family or whether it be in the church family or, or maybe in the community, that God gives you these relationships that can grow. I believe personally that those are the, some of the most significant things we can experience in our lives. I believe God has blessed us with the relationships. But get this. What Paul said is that you and I can have a relationship with the Lord of this universe. I know you get tired of me talk, talking about how incredible things are or how awesome things are. I, use, I probably overuse those words in my sermons. But let me just, how awesome is that? How incredible is that? That you and I can establish, we can establish a relationship. And it's not then based upon my works or the accomplishments that I've had, but rather it is getting to know him. That's what is so incredible in our lives is that we can trade the past for a person 
that when we accept Him, when we trust Him, we come to that place of relationship to get to know Him. Too often we just get caught up still on the past. We get caught up on our, on our own accomplishments upon what we achieve here instead of just seeking the relationship. I, I remember the first church that I served as music and youth. Uh, I think I've shared this with, with many of you before, but I was like 14 when I walked in the door of that church to lead music for the first time. I'd never been in this church before, never really known anybody in this church. I walked in the back that day, and uh, one of the deacons was sitting on the back pew, and his name was Mr. George Hogue. And George said that day when I walked in, we wanted a man, not a boy. And I remember hearing that, but look, I didn't know I was there in view of a call. I was just going over to sing a little bit for them. That's all I knew. So I went up and I sang a little bit and we led, I led the music for them. I didn't know I was really leading the music until I got there and they said, hey, you're going to lead the music this day. I said, okay, whatever, did that. But I came back and I think of maybe uh, two or three months later, I can't remember, and I started leading the music full time and, and kind of like working with the youth and doing, working with the youth. I was 14, 15. That's kind of hard to believe. I'm just telling you, some of these things I'd never allow happen today. You know, it's kind of weird how things were back then. But, but I remember when I was 16 or so, I had gone off with our high school to a Bible conference in Columbia, South Carolina. And while I was gone, all heck broke loose in the church. And it wasn't because I was gone it just that was it. I, I often look back at that and say, God, thank you that I was gone. Thank you I was not there when this happened. I came back and heard about it, and um, it all had to do with the church copying machine. I kid you not. I kid you not. The copying machine was in the pastor's home. Somehow somebody put the wrong toner in there. It was costing the church. Pastor should have known better, should have been monitoring it. I mean, it was, it was really something. The deacon who had called me called me now to his house, and I went up and visited with him. And he began just telling me all the things that he had done for the church and how he had, you know, he had been there, he had done this. And he had, he had invested his life. As a matter of fact, most people in the community would have used this guy's last name added chapel onto it, and that would have been the name that most of them would refer to the church as because he was so involved. And, and, hey, in a way, it was good. Some of the stuff he had done, it was good. But I remember all he began telling me that he had done. And he, and he began telling me he was leaving the church and that, you know, it wasn't because of me, it was because of other. Now, look, I was 16. I didn't know what. But I do remember sitting there thinking, as much as I loved this guy, as much as I respected him in many ways, I thought to myself, what if God had done some of that stuff? Because, see, the conversation was always like, I, I, I. And see, I've decided that what you and I do, that's temporary. 
But when God does something, that's permanent. And even as a 16-year-old, I got to thinking, what, what if God had been involved in this? I mean, I'm not saying, but what if you had just given credit to the Lord that he was the one who had done these things? You, th- you know, all of that can infect our lives, though. Because as much as I want to throw stones at him, there are moments in my life that I have to be reminded, it's not about me and my accomplishments. It's about what Christ Jesus has done and how he has moved me from the past accomplishments to the person that I can have a relationship with. You see, it is about a person. That is what is so enjoyable about the Christian walk. One of the reasons people don't enjoy their Christian experience is because they don't realize it's about the relationship. They're still trying to work it out, trying to pay it back, as I talked about this morning. They're trying to pay the debt back. You and I cannot pay the debt back. He did something for us we could have never done for ourselves, and you and I will never pay him back. Just enjoy the relationship. Enjoy what he has done for you. The perspective of Paul had changed. It was different. He had moved from this idea of accomplishment and past to now a person. God was transforming his mind. Just as I talked about this morning, later on, Paul write in chapter 4 about the things that he would think about now. We'll get to that. I just want to point out that it's just a transformation. Building upon what we saw this morning... In Romans 12, that sometimes we conform to the age instead of being transformed. In the gathering, I didn't say this in the 9 o'clock services, but in the gathering at 11.15, I said the age, that many times the age conforms us, the time conforms us. But it is the rock of ages that really transforms us. He transforms our way of thinking. He gives us a different perspective. Here Paul has a different perspective. He traded the past for a person. He traded the past for a new power. Listen to what he says. He says, all of this I've considered rubbish, that I may gain Christ, be found in him. I know it's not about me, it's about him. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So it's that I can grow in the relationship of the person, but also so that I can know the power of the resurrection. How many of us, most of all of us in this place know this, that when we come to Christ, there is an, there is an undeniable power that comes into our lives. The Holy Spirit of God resides within us. And see, I believe that we can accomplish things that he calls us to through his power and through the power of the resurrection because Jesus allows us to share in that power. You and I serve a God who is not dead. We celebrate the sacrifice, but we also know that Jesus himself is a living God. He is our living Lord. He burst out of that tomb because death itself could not hold him. And if that is the case, if he has the power of the resurrection, then you and I, we also have the power of the resurrection 
because we have him living within us. And he says, now I've traded all that other stuff. Look, look, all that other stuff is rubbish compared to knowing him and the power that he brings to us in our lives. Listen, you and I should be able to trade the past any day for the power of the resurrection. For what he can accomplish in our hearts and lives. I've traded the past for the privilege. There's a sense where I would like to just kind of leave this out. But notice it says, And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. I've traded the past for the person. I've traded the past for a power, for the power that comes through him. But we also have traded the past for the privilege. You may not consider this a privilege, but I'm just going to tell you, it's a privilege to suffer for him. Now, you and I really don't know probably what true suffering is. But let me remind you, the disciples' life always takes shape of the Lord's life. And just as our Lord suffered, there will be days in our lives where we will see suffering as well. We ought to count it a privilege that through the suffering, God brings victory. Because notice how he puts 11 in there. He says, if by any means. Actually, according to my training and in the language looking at this verse, I would say to you it should be translated more in the affirmative of saying, since by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. In other words, it is an affirmation of the reality that we will experience resurrection. Because we may suffer for a little while, but get this. You and I will know the power of the resurrection when he brings our bodies back to life. How awesome is that? You see, the hope of the believer is that Jesus Christ will return one day. I say the hope. I mean also certainty. And assurance, as the New Testament would use the word hope. That he would return one day. And all those who are dead would experience resurrection. That is the ultimate hope of every believer. Now listen, heaven's going to be awesome. If God calls me home this week, heaven will be awesome. Don't mourn for me because I'll be more alive then than I ever have been. But the true hope of the believer is that not even the physical body would, not only the physical body will will somehow be extinguished, but that one day when Jesus comes, that even the physical body will be resurrected. Somebody asked me one time, they said, Reggie, why is it a big deal? I mean, if we're in heaven, we're in heaven. I said, oh, heaven's going to be great. But don't miss this. God loves you so much and he wants to demonstrate his victory over everything that he's not even willing to allow your body to go unredeemed. 
He is going to resurrect your body itself to show that there is victory. Just like his body was resurrected, one day our body will be resurrected. Listen, we're talking about things that we should get excited about and we should, listen, we should praise God about things that are so much greater than just the pitiful accomplishments we've had in the past. You see how when you reimage this, this is so much better than the things we can put on our walls, the awards, the resumes, all that kind of stuff's temporary. But there is something that is permanent. And that's what I hope and pray that you hear Paul saying. He said, I have a different perspective. Look in verse 12. He says, I have a, a different purpose. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected. What he says here is that I'm on a journey. I have not arrived. I've not decisively received everything that I know that is coming to me. I have not been made complete. I love the tense of that verb because it means that something has been started, but it has not been completed yet. It's continuing into the present, but it has not come to completion. So basically what he says, something's happened in me, but I have not quite attained what I know God is going to accomplish. But I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. The imagery to me is so wonderful in that passage. It says, I'm trying to seize and capture that which Jesus Christ, for that, that purpose for which Christ has captured me. Same word. It's kind of like he apprehended me, he captured me, and now I'm on a journey to capture what he has for me. Is that not awesome? I mean, I said awesome again. I, I got to keep saying that. It's awesome, is it not? We remember when Paul came to know the Lord, the road to Damascus. He was going out to do what? Apprehend Christians. And what happened? Jesus Christ apprehended him right there. Right? He was going out. He was going to try to bring charges against believers. And what Jesus did is say, okay, I want you to see that I can apprehend you here. And he revealed his, himself to Paul. And Paul had this life-changing moment. Listen. I don't believe that necessarily all of us have like a Damascus Road experience. Some of us have more of a developed testimony like Timothy. But I will say to you, it may not, your salvation experience may not have been just like Paul's, but it should have been just as real as Paul's. That you know that God apprehended you. That he just... He reached out and he grabbed you and he brought you into the family through the conviction of the Holy Spirit as you had faith and you repented that you came into the family that he apprehended you. And when he does that, you know that you have a purpose. You are on a mission. You are on a journey. You have not totally, you have not totally found what you need to find yet, but you are on a journey. And notice what it says in verse 14. 
I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There's a prize. There is a prize. It helps you live a, a singular life, a purposeful life, when you know there's a prize. When you know there's something you're aiming at, right? So a lot of people said, man, I'm so proud you got off and got away and you had rest and relaxation. Oh, if you've seen any of these pictures that my wife posted, this was not rest. She was with me and she has a way of like, kind of like prodding me and the children sometimes to do things that are probably healthier than we want to experience. I, t- I tell people, we, w- we walked, we hiked. Yes, we did. Like five miles a day. This is not rest. I got to come back to work to rest. We went out this one area. I mean, we had walked. We, we, we had walked this trail I think it was approximately about five, six miles round trip. And, of course, l- let me tell you this. All these people that say, hey, it's a dry heat. <laughs> 106 degrees hot. I don't care where you are. But we, we, we walked down this trail, and we, I mean, when we turned around, we had had to climb there at the, at the end. I guess that's what happens when you're trying to see the devil's bridge. I've never understood why that was such a big deal, but we were trying to see it. We had to climb up to it, and we came back down. Look, we were, we were weary. We were weary as we walked back. But when we saw the parking lot, it was... I hate to use my North Mississippi roots here, and, but I'm just going to tell you, it was like a horse seeing the barn on the way home. And it was, we all of a sudden, we kind of picked up the pace. We were going, no more stops. We said, as we can get there because we can see it. Folks, for a moment, would you just recognize the prize? Would you look for the prize that awaits all of us who have trusted in Him? Because when you can begin to see the prize just a little, it motivates you to keep going. You press on. Because you know there's a reward. You know there's something out. You know you can keep going. Even in the most difficult times. Listen, when you are hurting, when you are suffering, when you recognize there is something that God has prepared for those of us who have loved Him, it spurs us on. It motivates us. And Paul says, I press toward that prize. He said, I've not reached it yet, but I'm forgetting those things that are behind and I'm reaching forward. I'm going to keep reaching forward to that which Christ has prepared. This word that means to reach forward means to suggest an intense effort or a firm purpose. You give a greater effort. You have this singular firm purpose that can hold you in place and hold us collectively in place. 
Because things are different. Your purpose is different after Christ Jesus has come in. Now listen to the way Paul completes this. He says, therefore, let us, as many are mature, that is, those who have grown in Christ, let those have this mind. Keeps going back to that, doesn't he? Philippians 2, he had talked about the mind of Christ. Keeps coming back and says, hey, it's important that you have this mind, this, this thought pattern, that you've been transformed. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. That word reveal is the word for like revelation, the apocalypse. He says, if you will seek him and if you don't have that mind, God will unveil this to you. God will begin to show you. God will begin to teach you. God will begin to reorient your perspective and your purpose if you allow him. He said, just, just... Allow him to rearrange, to re-image who you are. Nevertheless, to the degree we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. When God changes each and every one of us and he changes our perspective and our purpose, it's amazing the great unity that pervades across his church. Across his congregation. Across his people. When we have the right perspective. We have the right purpose. He brings us together. In unity. My friends. Things are different. And those things have been made different. Because of what Jesus Christ has done. May we tonight. May we forget that which is of the past. May we not boast in our earthly accomplishments. But what, may we boast in him. May we trade the past for the person, the power, and the privilege that he gives us. And may we serve with a singular purpose as we strive for the prize that he has provided. Let's pray together. Father. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word which just enriches our lives. Thank you for the challenge of it. And thank you, Lord, for using weakness to show your strength. We love you. We praise you. And we pray that even tonight you would stir within us and unite us in your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? So we have this moment of invitation.